Yeah, if you can hear the yawn, you know it must be Friday night. It's Friday night. I'm exhausted. Uh, I was talking to a friend earlier, and I was like, why am I so tired? It's like, because it's Friday. It's like, God damn it. I know Mark's downstairs like, uh. <laughs> and you're like, Not I to be rude, but when isn't Mark downstairs going in? That's fair. Hi, welcome to Unfortunately Required Reading. It's uh, 6.45 on a Friday because Amanda has a white hegemony appointment tomorrow. And we're lucky my husband doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, okay. I fundamentally believe that if a statement is is based in truth, (laughs) you can only be so butthurt about it. If I had said something that was completely out of character and a miscalculation, then please be angry. I, however, am not wrong. You're not wrong. No. Also, please uh, look at this fabric that I got on sale. It's, is it rainbows? It's rainbows with little hearts and stars in the bi pride colors, mostly. It's tis the season. We're less than a month away from pride. Say, it's, it's always the season. Uh, fun fact, when Joanne Fabrics has fabric quarters for sale, four for five dollars, I listen <laughs> You lose all willpower. They're such a good bargain. Turn into a Midwestern mom. Oh, uh, Tori, have you properly repented for popcorn salad? Listen, I can't yes. control what these idiots do with popcorn. Okay. I'll beat myself accordingly. Uh, but before you do that, we do have one more uh, piece of business to get into uh, before we record. Hmm. And that is telling our listeners about Sergeant Snappy. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> Tell the people the magic of Sergeant Snappy. So uh, I'm an idiot, and I was writing for a piece of fiction, the word investigator. Uh, and for whatever reason, my dumb ADHD dyslexic brain uh, had assumed that there was an E in there somewhere. It's an O. I'm using a plastic knife to punctuate my words, which is very, very on. I say that's super on brand. So my brain just kept getting, it's so on brand, but my brain just kept thinking investigator, like an alligator who's like working, or it was actually interrogator, but I had a similar breakdown over investigator. I don't know why these words don't have E's. (laughs) I don't know who gave us the O. I don't like it. They should have E's. Um, So it was interrogator. And I was just, I was beside myself. I couldn't, keep, I couldn't stop thinking about this fucking alligator who was like working with the police department. Uh, so I photoshopped an alligator with a uh, hat and a badge and that's Sergeant Snappy. And it makes me laugh every time I scroll up to that part of the chat. It should have an E. When you look at interrogator and investigator, it just looks wrong. Anyways, we're reading uh, The House on Mango Street because uh, Sandra Cisnedos is a local and she's still alive. So she's not a local anymore, but she did cause some craziness out here when she lived here. But she's still alive. Oh, yeah, she's still alive. Okay. She's Uh, good. Okay. So so we still have a little bit of a of a fear and shock because we did our whole thing on Toni Morrison. And then like three months later, she died. And we're like, did we kill Toni Morrison? I I mean, I really hope not because that i don't know what that says about us but yeah sandra cisnetos 
Um, yeah, she's one of those people that in Texas has a complicated legacy, but outside of Texas is sort of like ubiquitous with the state. I feel like a lot of Texan celebrities are like that, though. Yeah. Like within the state, no one likes them. But like outside of the state, they're like, honestly, the one that comes to mind is like Chuck Norris. Yeah, Chuck Norris is kind of an asshole. He's also very small. Really? He's a, not a tall man. What I think is really funny, though, the celebrity that pretty much all Texans can agree upon as a good Matthew guy is Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, because <laughs> it's always like he's the oh one gosh. showing up. Him and Mattress Mac from Houston. Yes. So for those people who don't live in Texas have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. There is a guy who runs a, a chain of mattress stores in Houston. And whenever mm -hmm. there is some sort of disaster, he mm -hmm. ends up like making a shelter for people to go to or mm -hmm. donating large amounts of money. And mm -hmm. our grocery store, HEB is the same way where it's mm -hmm. like, oh, y'all had a hurricane. Okay, we're sending some trucks. We'll see you in like half an hour. Like mm -hmm. what, what, like, HEB watches for this crap. They were prepared pretty well for the coronavirus. Not perfect, but nobody was. But say, I like, don't think I don't think anyone handled it great. But I think HEB did one of the better jobs, um, especially as early as they did. I will say this about Texas and like the South and stuff: the people that do go out to help, like I like the Cajun, the Cajun Navy comes to mind. I love the Cajun Navy. I love the Cajun Navy. Uh, for those who do not know what I'm talking about, the Cajun Navy is basically just a bunch of guys in fan boats who help people during like floods and hurricanes and stuff. And it's, they don't have to do this. They're volunteers. They work with local like firehouses and stuff like that, but they don't have to do this. They're donating their time, risking their lives. A lot of them are veterans and they're just out there helping people and it's great like honestly it always reminds me of uh, that part in the rescuers with even rude just local people <laughs> one of my favorite movies as a child i feel like whenever i talk about that uh people are for a moment shocked and then like not shocked at all yeah no it's one of those things again where like if you think about it for more than two seconds it's just on brand for you right because it's like at first like oh I, like so like some of my early my, some of my favorite early Disney movies were like uh The Great Mouse Detective She's and The Rescuers which again should not be a shock to anyone. At least it's not Brother Bear. Does anyone like Brother Bear genuinely outside of furries? Okay with it. I have to tell him all the time I'm like that movie put me off Disney movies for like a year and a half. I really hate it. Awful. There was a there was a YouTube video about that's just about music and movies and they break down that like opening magical song in brother bear and it's like it's like hungarian folk music slowed down because that sounds other enough to sound like native speech and that upset me so much i am so happy that they have gone the way of things like with frozen where they're like hey Sami people, we actually want to talk to you and find out about your culture and see if we can use these particular things that you actually do. Oh, and we will actually dub these songs into Sami and involve Sami artists so people know that what actually happens. Like, okay. Yeah, but they're still, I mean, they're still a horrible corporation run by white men. Yeah. 
I'm just saying. Because, like, that started with Moana, where everyone's like, oh, look at Disney doing stuff with Moana. Like, it's still a corporation run by white men. <laughs> just saying. Oh, it's for a profit. And then they use that poor girl who voiced. Yeah, they use that poor girl who voiced Moana to sell their fucking Polynesian experience. Oh, at their like hotel or whatever. Yeah, it's like you're, you, no. Okay, so we're gonna talk about the house on a, the house on Mango Street. Uh, We actually have a cocktail today because I found a cocktail with four with four ingredients (laughs) that literally neither of us could mess up actually left the sugar out and it's just fine yeah so i used mango lemonade i actually went totally rogue i used mango lemonade uh ginger ale and bacardi gold i went totally rogue because it's like why am i using vodka for this i found a tiny bottle of tito's left over oh, yeah. from around the christmas time shoved in the back of the cabinet uh-huh. got a can of like mango juice or well mango nectar mm-hmm. and to put lemon juice in it we're good yeah um so this is where i have to admit i'm in that category of people that genetically think mangoes taste awful (laughs) really yeah i also think cilantro tastes like soap yeah my husband hates cilantro it's like an all-out fight and i'm like okay no onions and cilantro in your taco white boy it's i it's so soapy to me and it's weird because i forgot that it's genetic and i asked my aunt if my mother liked it and my aunt's like, no. And she's like, neither do I or my sister or, you know, your other aunt. It's like, oh, fuck, it is genetic. Out of all the things that were passed down, that's one of them. Uh, so so why are yes. attached because of genetics? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of things that exist in bodies because of uh, genetics. So uh, we are reading this book because actually, I don't know. I think we just it's vaguely Spanish. <laughs> Don Quixote. <laughs> It's short. It's sweet. You have to read it in school. Well, I you did. did. I didn't have to. I read this at a shockingly young age. Actually, the same year I read Flowers for Algernon. Did your school hurt you? <laughs> did they? <laughs> did yeah, I read this. Let's yeah. let's be honest. Sandra Cisneros is an amazing writer. She's yes. an amazing writer. She's a really great cadence. She knows what she's doing. Yes. But there's parts of this book that I'm like, um, what what grade were you in? So I was in sixth or seventh grade. I think this is one of those things where when I read like the book book, I think that there were parts that were missing in our textbook. Because the same thing happened with Flowers for Algernon, that like there was like a textbook version mm-hmm. and then like the book. So I think in like the textbook, like kid version, it's not as bad, but it's still kind of bad. Because I do remember reading this in school. It was the same year as Flowers for Algernon, which, yeah, I mean, same. I don't know why we read this. We read Dicey's song too, which I related too hard to, which again, should have been a sign that something was wrong. I was like what did we read in sixth grade i can't remember if, like the egypt game was fifth or sixth grade we didn't read that it was weird we read some different stuff in california yeah also i was in a catholic school at the time so like we could get wild but we couldn't get too wild like we couldn't read harry potter that was evil we could our heathen public school your heathen liberal public school that's teaching children how to be gay and freely think about things well hell esperanza's dad in this book told her that you know 
she has to go to Catholic school because kids who go to public school end up bad. I mean, I mean, uh, oh, uh, trigger warning up front. We're going to be talking about things that are gross and I apologize. Yeah. Also some assault. Some light assault. A peppering no, of more, it. more than light, but it's written so that it kind of, you gloss over it if you're not paying attention. A peppering of salt. Of assault. Okay. Ah, a peppering of assault. I actually was like putting together the description of the book before in the reading because sometimes I'll make like an outline so I like know what to pay attention to and pick up mm-hmm. if I've never read it. Mm-hmm. And I saw that there was sexual assault in it. I was like, oh, oh, it's too late to tell her I don't want to do this. <laughs> like Amanda, Amanda, no. You could have said something. Here's the thing. There is literally like all these major works. There's some sort of sexual assault towards women. And we were talking about Don Quixote. In yeah. Man of La Mancha. There is yeah. a whole lot of rapey shit. Like, yeah. It's because of how we tell stories about women. Yes. And, and rape culture and the patriarchy. So short story long. Which is and not short is at all. Accurate because this book is very short and it's written mm-hmm. in vignettes. It is. Uh, so if you listen to the audiobook and you listen to it at two times, you can finish it in under an hour. Anyway, <laughs> this one's a bit hard because of mm-hmm. the vignettes. Um, mm-hmm. The book follows a year in the life of 12 year old Esperanza, a Chicano girl who moves into the house on Mango Street with her family. They previously lived in an apartment multiple apartments and this house is a huge upgrade for their family and it's the first home her parents have ever owned while esperanza had dreamed of a massive house she's a bit disappointed that her new home is run down and small and in the middle of a crowded latino neighborhood in chicago many of the poor areas are racially segregated she hates the lack of privacy and she swears that someday she will leave mango street and get a house that's all her own she makes friends with two girls lucy and rachel who are chicano girls from texas yeah who live across the street and actually know how to pronounce her name um unlike when she goes to school Mm -hmm. they buy a bike from some kid um they look at junk at shop owners owned by black men with gold glasses that was like a really interesting detail Uh, Mm -hmm. they listen to a woman named marine who tells them about boys and about avon products and makeup since that's what she sells they play double dutch and talk about their bodies and they tell each other secrets Mm-hmm. and they're at the start of puberty and then they learn the hard way that they're vulnerable so they wear high heel shoes they're chased around by men who tell them they're too young for shoes they get cat called mm-hmm. esperanza gets kissed by an older man at her very first job which is like mm-hmm. she's like a baby esperanza writes and she she's like lying so she can work at this job about her mm-hmm. age she writes poems and only shares them with older people she trusts she hits puberty and suddenly it's all about boys and becoming an adult and her hips. She's really fascinated by her hips. Mm-hmm. She realizes that she likes when boys watch her and she dreams about them. She ends up losing two family members, her granddad and her aunt Lupe, and ends up finding herself maturing or as Amanda and I like to put it, you know, losing her serotonin. Um, we move into the second half of the book and the stories focus on women who are stuck in their situations. So it's a bunch of really, really sad stories about women who don't leave their homes or can't leave their homes mm-hmm. um, or have come to the United States and didn't want to come to the United States. Um, Esperanza becomes friends with a girl named Sally who is more sexually mature. Sally uses men to escape from her abusive dad. 
Mm-hmm. Esperanza is not comfortable with Sally's sexual experience, and so but they end up in a crisis when Sally leaves Esperanza alone and she's sexually assaulted by a group of boys, mm-hmm. which is really, really hard passage to read, y'all. It is. Um, Esperanza deals with her trauma and it cements her desire to leave Mango Street and get her own home in a safe place. But after talking to three women who like they they kind of come off as that like magical, like magical Chicana women or like the three witches from Macbeth, but like old women. The magical person of color, which is not always just the magical Negro. Right. Um, and she realizes that she will have to come back to help the woman that she's leaving behind. She matures and discovers writing to help her escape all her trauma. Same. I mean, writing fan fiction does also clear your trauma, right? Yeah. Why do you think I'm still doing it? I was going to say, is this why there's so much like Harry Potter gay fan fiction? Yes, literally. I've been writing fanfic since I was 12. I'm 31 almost. I have a giant notebook in my a box in the garage of my Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan fiction. Like I had a literal nightmare where I had lost some of my old fanfic. Fun fic, fun fact, it's still there. What is around you? Oh, sorry, Nemo was getting weird. So what we is had, he not? We had a cat sighting before we started recording. We did. We did. Uh, but also, when is he not weird? Question mark. He's always weird. So he started freaking out the other day and just like his eyes are going everywhere he's freaking out and we realized he's actually scared of my stepdaughter because like she's shot up really tall and she looks different and she hadn't been here for five days fair like (gasps) who is is this but like now we'll kind of walk around um her mom and her stepdad for lack of a Mm -hmm. better term i was just calling her stepdad now because it's like They've been together forever. So. I'm so glad I can't taste the rum in this. Yeah, I can't taste the vodka. I can't taste the lemon. So uh, we do have some uh, some theming to do. So much theming. Uh, we're going to start with a podcast favorite, which is uh, gender roles. Yeah. And especially gender roles in a minority household. Because... Uh, it's funny because I remember us talking a lot about like the South and like books that are written about the South. And when we talk even further on, when we discuss like older, those like patriarchal, horrible Nathaniel Hawthorne books, that I'm always the one that feels like a lot hasn't changed because a Southern black person, it hasn't. Even as progressive as my family is and continues to be, for a lot of people in the South, those structures that are in place are the same. And while we are allotted some freedoms that are definitely more cosmopolitan, we're also still stigmatized for a lot of things. Uh, the barrier that I'm starting to come up against is that I don't have children and that I'm not married. So that's starting to be a barrier that people still don't really have a framework for someone like me who has willfully chosen that I don't really want kids and I'm not in a stage where I'm dating anyone really. Dating is hard without a pandemic. I will tell you the night before my wedding when we were doing our rehearsal dinner, 
I had about 15 people ask when Mark and I were going to start trying to have kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we have a perfectly fine child right here. She is seven years old. Mm-hmm. She is a delight and a half. Mm-hmm. We don't really feel the need to have another kid. Plus, mm-hmm. it's not good for my body because mm-hmm. of all my medical crap. And mm-hmm. you know what? We can't really afford it because mm-hmm. trying to find childcare in San Antonio is expensive as hell. Unless you're willing to leave, leave your child at a very, very shady daycare off of Culebra. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know that San Antonio had one of the preschools where there was a satanic panic scare? Yeah. Yeah. That shouldn't shock anyone. Freaking 80s, man. It was a... Uh, I don't know how we got on this subject. We were on a Zoom call for work. And uh, we brought up cult for some reason. I'm not quite sure. And it's like, pretty sure the last time we talked about cults in Texas, something something happened. I'm having a hard time remembering, but I just feel like the last time we discussed cults in Texas, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a great outcome for people. Well, then they just had that whole thing that love is one cult. Mother goddess died or mother god. And they found her body had been mummified and she'd been dead for like a month. Her eyes she, were missing. Okay, so like you're missing out the, the key part. Blood. You're missing out the key part. She was mummified in liquid silver. Yes, and coated <gasps> in, uh, a, she was put in a sleeping bag. Yes, she was. And then wrapped in Christmas lights. <laughs> Which is how I want to go. <laughs> so my mom jokes all the time that when she dies, she wants to be comfortable. So she wants to be buried in her pajamas in a sleeping bag. And I'm like... I mean, do you really want that? Like she's the victim of a crime? <laughs> I was like, could, could you not? Like I got she's a- for Mother's Day a wine glass that says, um, what does it say? Don't rush me. I'm a woman of leisure. Mood. And she loves it. She's got Mood. it today. So Excellent anyway, word. gender roles. So it is not uncommon um, in some Latin American households, not all, but in a lot of them, at least in my experience in Southern California and else out here as well, um, there tends to be a lot of pressure on women to cook, clean, do all the laundry, even when their sons are grown ass men. Yes. Uh, this was a conversation, and obviously I'm not going to call her out by name because I respect her marriage. Um, but my friend and her husband had such a big cultural difference because she mm-hmm. was raised in a household where, you know, her brother and her dad knew how to do laundry and they did their own laundry. Mm-hmm. But when she got married, her husband's mom had been doing his laundry, even though he was in his late twenties. Mm-hmm. So she would come home from like a 13 hour day when we were at the end of the month closing mm-hmm. and still have to do laundry. And this was on top of like, her kid and all this other stuff and i was just like oh hell no right and I think, for yourself i think we talked about that kind of like emotional and invisible labor i think the last episode or a couple of episodes ago we're really just there's so much pressure on women to do things and you see that a lot in minority households i'm not going to make this like a brown people only problems because it exists in households everywhere yeah. uh but especially in minority households, it's a little more prevalent and it's, it's especially unequal because the barriers to success are, for a lot of us, very out of reach. Like I say every day how much privilege I have that I have the ability to do what I do, like living on my own and 
paying someone to do my laundry if I really wanted to. But there's a lot of people that don't have luxuries like that and can't afford, not even just financially, but spiritually to do stuff like that. There is so much additional labor put on women, but especially at a very young age. That indoctrination starts so young for women. Again, I'm not going to make this a just brown people issue, but especially in minority households, that indoctrination starts so young. And you see it even going back into antiquity, where at a very early age, you know, the boys and the girls separate off and the boys go learn how to read and poke things with sticks and girls learn how to make bread and stuff. The Spartans famously did that. Um, I mean, they were also pedophiles, so I don't care what the Spartans did, so. Well, it's kind of like in um, in New England when people mm-hmm. first came over and stuff. If a woman could make good bread, mm-hmm. that was a huge deal. And if you couldn't make good bread, you were shamed. Yes. So the guys didn't do the cooking. They would do the hunting. Women did a lot of the planting mm-hmm. with them. But it's like one of those things where it's just kind of this something that's ingrained like we get this concept Uh ingrained with bread (laughs) sorry (laughs) and and it's a lot of it's cultural too and you you see it in in different things it's like that's why there's that whole line in that what is it the is it cardi b or Nicki minaj that i don't cook i don't clean but i'll tell you how i got this ring yep yep (laughs) like um also broke men don't deserve this pussy (laughs) Well, something that's okay. Something that's driving me crazy right now. Yes. I am watching that show, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes. I absolutely love it because yes. um, Rachel Bloom is like hysterical. But the entire time she's chasing after these guys, I'm like, mm-hmm. this guy is a complete moron, mm-hmm. and this guy is an alcoholic in recovery. Mm-hmm. Which no shame in that game. Who? But he's his personality sucks. Mm-hmm. And so the entire time I'm watching it, I'm like, you graduated from Harvard. You had a major job at a major law firm. You mm-hmm. could do very well in Los Angeles and you mm-hmm. were chasing after two losers, one who lives with their dad and one who had a girlfriend when you started chasing after him, like mm-hmm. whose girlfriend had been with him for 15 years. Come mm-hmm. on, dude. Like you can do better than this. But women are constantly encouraged in media to like punch down and to go out and like to just vastly lower their standards for because like realistically and this is going to sound horrible because i'm someone who's actively dating and people listen to my podcast that i'm hoping to court one day uh the bar for men is on the floor like okay so do you know like the himbo jock regular guy chart in my head yes okay so for listeners at home there's a venn diagram of himbo jock and just decent ass guy and by the way a himbo is basically a very stupid but very sweet and very attractive man yeah, i'm not gonna say very stupid i will say most of the body's function has gone to maintaining his pecs <laughs> brendan fraser george of the jungle mm. chris hemsworth that horrible ghostbusters movie yeah I, I didn't think it was horrible, but that's just also because I really love Kate McKinnon licking the freaking gun. That horrible Ghostbusters movie. So there, so in that chart, there's traits like kind, you know, beefy and whatever. 
And somewhere in the middle, there's just like a normal ass guy. Tori's opening food with her teeth like an animal. And I'm it's here for it. It's Mexican candy and it's delicious. I'm not judging. Uh, and basically like just the bar for men to be decent is just so on the floor. It's just so on the floor. It's don't rape people. That's where the bar is. A book and the girl was talking about how unfair it was. She goes, all a guy has to do is not hit you and he's considered to be a catch. They can hit like, you sometimes and people oh. rationalize it. Well, it's like, and you see so many of the books on the market in self-help are towards women, how to make yes. yourself more attractive to men, how to like make yourself not look too smart so you don't scare people <laughs> away. Like it's so like, I remember reading some of those and finally just being like, yeah, well, fuck that. I mean, cat ranch sounds like a good future. I want to live the wife, the life of that painting of my bisexual wife. I'd like to be a cryptid on a farm. <laughs> That's what Big I want foot. to be. It's Bigfoot. Yeah, I would like to would like to be a mythical creature on a farm. Uh, yeah. So, as someone who is out there seeking a mate, same. It's a lot of dumbing down my intelligence so I don't come off as scary and or you know. I actually just posted this to Twitter, and I hope this doesn't sound like an aggressive call out. Um, and someone claimed that I'm an eight on the intimidation scale. Firstly, I'm five foot one. I don't know who the fuck is scared of me. <laughs> I don't know who's afraid of me. I really don't. I can't reach you. I need I need grabber claws to get some of my cups. You know why they're they're calling you an eight? Yes, because you're brown. That person's brown too. You're loud and you're brown. I'm okay. First of all. <laughs> I resent being called loud, even though I am. <laughs> okay, you're highly skilled in your vocal settings. Thank you. It's like I resent being called brown, even though being called loud, even though I am. Uh, so, uh, we we bring people into our conversations when we go to restaurants. We taught a bunch of church ladies about antipopes. Um, and so yeah, gender roles. Yes, gender roles are important to keep um, a lookout in this novel. Again, if you're one of the I don't think any students who listen to this podcast if you are a student listening to this podcast uh how did you find us <laughs> does your mother know you listen to us right do your parents know that you're here uh if they don't know that's fine I guess is your dad mad at us for yelling smash the patriarchy if he is mad at you I'm your dad now drink your water take your medicine yeah be gay do crimes so my daughter the other day comes running in going so i wake up in the morning and say be gay do crimes and i yes time for arson time and i'm like okay i'm like sweetheart you are 11 please don't sing that you're gonna go commit arson no this is the perfect age to sing about arson no one will believe you i looked at her amassing lighters did the meme thing i looked at her and i go you mean crime brulee and she goes i love crime brulee so much I love crime brulee. It's one of my favorite things. All right. Uh, so do you want to not talk about abuse and trauma yet and talk about Spanglish? Yes. Okay. Uh, so language is weird, especially when you're an immigrant. And sometimes that means a mixing of languages. Uh, one of the most famous in the United States is Spanglish or Spanish and English. Uh, your example is literally go outside in San Antonio. Uh-huh. <laughs> just go outside it's kind of amazing because you'll see it in both 
like white people and hispanic people um mexican people people from south america all that stuff we will just kind of start talking it'll be like you'll launch into something and you'll see english all of a sudden do like drop spanish words in and vice versa my -hmm. favorite is when you're like como se dice uh in espanol uh uh and you're like trying to think of the word there's actually a really great person on tiktok and i can't remember what their name is but they always talk about how their mom forgets words so she makes Mm -hmm. up things Mm -hmm. so she'll call like a scorpion like a spicy snail or something (laughs) i'm like i'm false so amazing but it's just this this language and culture thing. It's one of the reasons why if you watch the movie Coco, if you've been ra- either raised in a Latin household or um, had very close friends, you will laugh your butt off because you know about the chancla. You know about like the mariachi. Not, not only do you know about the chancla, but you fear it in a way. Oh no, it- you, learn, you learn fast. You're like, that woman has a shoe. Oh God! You because there's one thing. Because so I was romantically involved with someone from Europe. Out of all the things that are hard to explain about America, it isn't the guns, it isn't the capitalism, it isn't that. It's that someone can raise a shoe, and so and depending on the setting, I am less afraid of a gun than I am of that shoe. So. I am both enthralled and afraid of my friend, friend's abuelitas. Mm-hmm. I am terrified of people's babushkas because mm-hmm. I know that these are the people who watch and they know what's coming back around and they know how to hurt you. They do. They also know how to feed you, which I love and appreciate. Thank you so much. Which is um, why Tori keeps me around. I know the secret of making cheese. Yes, you do. One of my best friends, um, she unfortunately is no longer with us, which I like hate thinking about, but um, her mom was just amazing. And you would just hear her mom just like randomly in another room go, Jessica! (laughs) And she would like come in. And I gotta say, Jessica was the most Americanized Mexican girl. Well, sorry, she was actually from um, Guatemala Mm -hmm. uh, that I had ever met in my life. And I loved it so much because like, her mom would be speaking to her in Spanish, but it was always like a way that I could understand. And I was always mm-hmm. welcome for dinner. And like, even if they didn't know I was coming, they were like, oh, pull up a plate, sit down, sit down, sit down. And I'm like, uh, you don't have to feed me. They're like, we have to feed you. Right, like that doesn't exist. That, fun, fun fact, that does not exist in households. It's like, we don't have to feed, you don't have to feed me. Yes, we do. You're in our house. We have to they- feed you. They worked at a restaurant down the street from my house before they they moved like 90 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like I would get a knock on my little like studio apartment door and Jessica would just be standing there with like two trays from this Mexican restaurant being like, hey, so we had some leftover tacos and enchiladas. We wanted to know if you wanted dinner. And I'm like, you don't have to do that. They're like, yes, we do. We had extra. Love you. Bye. <laughs> like, yeah. But um, the Spanglish aspect of it is really, really cool. Um. It is a, uh, I'm using air quotes in my mind, a point of contention for some people. Uh, there's still a lot of the argument of you're in America, learn English, to which I say, eat my ass. Oh, shit. I mean, it's like, I guess my question is for, for Americans who say we should only know one language, why? Don't you want to travel? Don't you want to learn other Tori, things? Tori, you know why. <sighs> Tori, you know why. <laughs> Racism? You know the- 
Yes. I tried. Yes. Okay. It's, like, it's like, Tori, you know the answer to that. <laughs> I got frustrated. So I was like, I don't understand words in German. I'm going to learn some German. I'm still really bad at it. I want to understand what that sign in Russian actually says, not just what the news media told me it said. And by the way, that's cleared up a lot of very interesting points from time to time. I'm sure it has. I mean, and even like having just that language and cultural context has really, really helped. Like uh, recently in Japan, the city of Noto spent their COVID relief money to build a 50-foot giant squid. I saw that because people on TikTok were losing their minds over it. Right. And like just having that cultural information that one, they're a fisherman city, two, they're a tourist city outside of Tokyo, and three, COVID has impacted them, but not as much as the loss of tourism has. So when given COVID money, they're going to build something that's going to bring in the white man. Ergo, giant squid. Well, it's really funny too, like if you read about Scandinavian countries or you read about, you know, people in Russia or like the Baltic states and you see things about people and, and even in the UK, people not smiling at each other and just kind of walking down the street, not making mm -hmm. eye contact and stuff like that. In America, we're like, well, that person's rude out there. If you're smiling at them, they're like, are you okay? What mm -hmm. happened? Or do you need help? like because it's just not necessarily a cultural thing it's mm -hmm. like you have somewhere to go you're gonna go you're gonna get it done you are close to your friends and family you are open with them I mean Russians are notorious for very intense loving toasts for their friends and family but it's like that would terrify Americans and it's like deep in there and you, when you are family you are family like Olive Garden did you see okay i know everything is tiktok now and i'm sorry there was no you're not no i'm not no you're not girl and her brother were trying to tell their mom they were going to take her her mom their mom who was from italy they were going to take her to olive garden for mother's day mm -hmm. and it was going to be like a it was a joke and i'm just like you guys you guys mm -hmm. just 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 some things to shout out there olive garden is not real italian food uh taco bell is not real mexican food okay Okay, no, I'm gonna stop you right there. So there's a, it's one of the only good videos BuzzFeed ever did. And it was like Chinese grandparents and Chinese like, like teens eat Panda Express. And it's the teens that are all like above it. Like this isn't our real culture. Bitch, you live in LA. Shut up. I get that, <laughs> I get that this is your culture, but like, that orange chicken is as Chinese as you are. And the grandparents are like, this is really good flavor. Like, I'm not going to waste any food. Like, fucking chill out. Like, no one cares. I know Olive Garden isn't real food. If I'm there, it's because I want to get drunk and I want breadsticks. First we all know why we're there. Are excellent. Right. You get the green apple Moscato drink. Oh, God. That's my favorite. You get the How green have apple. You died? Huh? How have you not died? <laughs> gestures wildly i used to have uh green apple schnapps in smirnoff triple black so you hate yourself i mean i was in my early 20s of course i hated myself That's it because you because you hate yourself but yeah like i i've, I've always like because i was that person i was that i was like this isn't real italian fair fuck you i'm here because it's 12 o'clock on a saturday 
and I want to get drunk and try to fill in the void of my dead father with breadsticks. I'm just thinking, so my husband used to work for Macaroni Grill, right? And whenever he gets frustrated with something, I try to imagine him with his southern Georgian drawl asking people if they wanted like penna arabiata or whatever it is. Like, I'm just trying to imagine him being like, you want some panne with that? <laughs> My favorite things in the world are when he says things like oil and water. And it cracks me up because I'm just like, that's kind of hot. And he's like, what? What, what is wrong no. with you? Yeah, what is wrong with you? No, it's not. The only hot accent is Virginian. That syrupy, I live on a plantation accent. <laughs> that one see i had a teacher from east tennessee who was built he was gorgeous he's like a ta at uci and if he's listening to that he's probably ashamed that i do this podcast anyway and that you're sexualizing him <laughs> i have nothing to lose but we got along because i was the only kid in the class who had seen um god what was it sling blade I was the only one who had seen sling blade and so he made a comment and he goes there ain't no gas in it and i start cracking up and everyone else in the class is just looking at him he goes tori understands she understands and i'm like i do and then i saw him running on a treadmill the next week none of this has anything to do with this book anyway he was beautiful <laughs> he had a beautiful accent and evidently east tennessee is the closest thing to shakespearean english i'm out okay uh we're still gonna kick the can on trauma and we're gonna talk about some of the examples of a uh folkloric and religious women that appear almost as like this strange tripart explanation to like the states of how to be and what you can be as a woman uh starting with the virgin mary which as a roman catholic is everywhere <laughs> also she is caveat to that the virgin huh? guadalupe as well the Vienna de guadalupe uh, she is also everywhere and that is a different kind of virgin mary there's something okay so I forget this about Catholicism because I'm already kind of semi-pagan. Uh, our religion looks very pagan. Mostly because uh, we also are very, uh, I don't want to say segregated, but like every place kind of has its own flavor of Catholicism. Like you get regions that really latch onto Our Lady of Sorrows. And, I mean, obviously there's a lot of colonial and post-colonial readings into the places that pick on that like the philippines which i'm sorry for everything yes. even though i'm not responsible i would like to make an apology to the philippines hey i still have to apologize for popcorn salad that some crazy white lady made did we ever explain popcorn salad i think we did but just for those of you this this is your first episode first of all i'm sorry yeah first uh, of all i'm deeply sorry <laughs> second of all this lady made a salad with popcorn yes. this weird mayonnaise dressing yes and then like vegetables yes and it was supposed to kind of be like a pasta salad yes but it was just insane but with white cheddar popcorn why white people like putting raisins in potato salad why i i still don't get that one i mean i, I don't get any of uh, uh. okay uh so the virgin mary of course being the virginal the innocent but also 
one of intense sorrow and suffering. Um, I've been listening to Lacrimosa a lot, which is not concerning at all. I was like, do I need to give you a phone number? Can I help? No, I'm, we don't need to press the sad bitch button yet. But um, that's one aspect of the Virgin Mary that a lot of people tend to focus on and meditate on is the part of her story that is sad of her losing her son, Jesus Christ, and the trials that she went through. There's an entire aspect of the rosary that you can pray that is just going through Mary's grief and grievances. Um, I choose not to pray that rosary because the rosary already bores me to tears. It's so long. It's so long. I think there was one uh, confession that like my penance was praying the rosary five times and I haggled it down. <laughs> Which don't barter with a priest who's trying to keep you out of hell i can imagine this being problematic <laughs> next up is one that tori and i know intimately well which is la Llorona, the wailing or screaming woman as in the woman who has done wrong uh most versions of the story usually have her as someone a, a mother who has done some ill to her children whether it be for a man or just through delusion, but she has wronged her children somehow, resulting in their deaths. Thus, she wanders the world screaming. Uh, she's like a banshee. Um, and she's honestly one of the most terrifying things. Also, the reason why a lot of uh, people of Hispanic or Mexican descent do not like owls. That's actually uh, La Lechuza. They work in both ways, I learned. So there is the owl witch, and there's also some tying to La Llorona. I mean, owls, no one likes owls. And we can tie this back to Sandra Cisneros because she has a collection of short stories called Woman Hollering Creek, which is about some of this stuff. Supposedly. Yes. Uh, I haven't read it yet. Uh, I have it on my list for the library. Also, a real place that you can visit. Where our news stations tend to go because it's like 30 minutes outside of town. Yeah, it's really Halloween. close. Yeah, and it's they, really close. And they somehow always find that one guy who's like, well, I seen her once. Oh. I was watching I was watching Paranormal Caught on camera, and they were it was a team of paranormal investigators in Mexico, and they were looking for this like haunted ghost hello tale. <laughs> yeah, he decided he wanted to stand up and howl at me for a second. Totally fine. Uh so they're trying to find this like haunted ghost girl, and the line that killed me was they talked to a, the homeless man who lives in the mausoleum <laughs> and i just had so many questions sir why do you live in the mausoleum are you okay can we help you wonder if he's like nobody bugs me here it's pretty great i mean uh, we're going to end with Malinche or the raped woman, uh, a story of a woman wronged by colonialism, <laughs> which is the story of most brown women. And we'll leave it there uh, because we have to talk about abuse and trauma. Tori, do you want to talk about abuse and trauma? Abuse and trauma. So we've already talked about the fact that we have a young woman in this book who was sexually assaulted. Indeed. 
the as I said, this section is really, really difficult and takes place at a carnival. And you the way that Esperanza is basically crying for her friend who abandoned her is just like holy crap. Um you see a lot of women in this book who are suffering because of choices other people have made, um, forcing them to move someplace, um, running away from them, leaving the women to fend for themselves and take care of things and, you know, basically continue to suffer. Mm-hmm. And it's very frustrating, but at the same time, it also is the catalyst or one of the catalysts for Esperanza to get out for mm-hmm. her to look at ways to leave this place. And you have to remember, she's very, very young, mm-hmm. which is, it's, it's, that's the part that's really hard for me. It's, there's a, a concept, you know, there's a lot of young women who are assaulted and you grow up very, very quickly. Yep. Um, <laughs> experience what? Um, yeah. So that part of the book is very hard. You have these beautiful lyrical passages about Esperanza's experiences, about her mm-hmm. family and friends. But when you hit that second half of the book and some of the magic starts to fade away and you start to see the real things that are going on on Mango Street, it's like, oh, that's where this was. <laughs> right. And it also harkens something to akin to actually a gif i sent tori earlier this week which is maybe she was born with it maybe it's generational trauma and gentrification and the lack of access to resources both economical social etc are all forms of generational trauma and abuse that perpetuate and keep a lot of women again especially the brown ones in very shitty situations that's that's kind of a bit of a sticking point, and I, I want a hallmark on this in uh, discourse spaces. When people of color discuss their issues, it is never meant to diminish white women or white people that are also going through it. But a lot of times we are still pushed to the side in a lot of these conversations. So whenever I, as a person of color, hallmark on the suffering of brown people, it is not to diminish the suffering of white people. What I'm saying is, is that white women can cry while brown women still can't. So that was probably way franker than anyone needed, despite how much rum I have in a cup with mango lemonade. It's Santa Cruz. I was going to say, listen. Yes. You're not wrong. I know bitch come at me <laughs> i wish i wish <laughs> there's did i send you the the meme of like my mood is that time that um bilbo tried to square up against gandalf yes that's my mood constantly <laughs> i am ready to fight god <laughs> all the time is that why people think i'm intimidating <laughs> That's why I'm intimidating, is I wake up every morning and choose violence. <laughs> Do we want to hear about Sandra Cisneros? Uh, that San Antonio doesn't like her? Parts of San Antonio don't. I think she's a badass, but I'm also not originally from here, so... Let's say, you're also a Yankee. <laughs> so, she was born December 20th, 1954 in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, she was the third of seven kids and was the only girl that survived. Oh. So- 
for Dasha to refer to them as his uh, six boys and one girl. And she's always like, why don't you just say you're seven kids? But anyway. That's awful. I hate that so much. Her great-grandfather used to play piano for the Mexican president. The family was wealthy, but this great-grandfather gambled away the family fortune. Mm -hmm. So her dad's father, and her dad's father was a veteran of the Mexican Revolution. Her dad ended up running away from his dad to the U.S. because his dad was mad at him for not graduating college when he bankrolled it. Mm -hmm. Um, Her family moved back and forth between Chicago and Mexico City as her dad was an upholsterer. And when she was 11 years old, her family bought their house in Humboldt Park on Chicago's west side, which is mostly Puerto Rican. Um, So this is where a lot of the inspiration comes from. Mm-hmm. He went to a Catholic school that was all girls, where mm-hmm. a teacher helped her write poems about the Vietnam War. She was the editor of her high school literary magazine, Represent. Woo! She got her bachelor's degree from Loyola University and then her MFA from the Iowa White Writers Workshop, which is amazing. They're super famous for being like the best in the country. UCI is on the list. It's a little bit farther down. Um, but while she was there, she also had an affair with a professor and that affair was very abusive. Um, she worked as a teacher and a counselor with high school dropouts. She taught creative writing. She was a recruiter. Um, she was an arts administrator. And she was a writer in residence at Our Lady of the Lake University in San Antonio. Woo! Um, in 1997, this is the fun drama. Mm-hmm. He had a purple house in the King Williams district. And it caused a ruckus in San Antonio because those houses are traditional and they have certain colors that you're allowed to paint. And yes. she was like, uh, I painted it a Chicano color. What's the problem? So, um, okay, not to cut you off, but added context for King Williams District. King Williams District in San Antonio is one, one of the oldest, two, one of the richest, and three, one of the whitest because they bought up all the land. Mm-hmm. So her doing this was a radical act of trying to de-gentrify a very white part of town because here's the funny thing about san antonio it's like a lot of places where there's a lot of brown people is that there is a small but wealthy minority of white folk who control everything and most of them are in the king williams district especially during that time so her action was not just i'm gonna paint my house a fun color it was the biggest way to middle finger flip off the entire area uh, now it's a tourist trap and they don't really care. Uh, Mad Hatter Tea House used to be there. Uh, they closed, rest in peace. Uh, amazing. We got drunk on fish bowls there. We absolutely did. Um, so now it's a tour. Also, one of my favorite sex shops is over there. <laughs> so at the time, that was such a revolutionary and radical act. And for a lot of people, it still is. Uh, so it, it upset that uh, little group of uh, uppity white folk, which I say, fuck them. What I love is that when the city told her she had to repaint it, she ended up sitting on her lawn in a purple lawn chair with a purple dress, a purple shawl. And she even put a purple bandana on her dog and then passed out petitions for people to sign that were also purple. Mm-hmm. Like, my girl and the funny thing is i pulled a picture of this house and i put it at the bottom of our our thing i'll put it on instagram Mm -hmm. it's really cute it's a nice house i was like that doesn't look bad that looks really good um but yeah that's like a welcome center now what i love irony 
Well, the funny thing is they, they eventually told her like she could repaint it a different color. And mm-hmm. she said, okay, I'm going to paint it pink then. Cause that's another traditional color. And mm-hmm. they're finally like, whatever. Um, and she ended up selling it in 2015. But- yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like the welcome center for the area now. Cause I've seen that house. I've walked by that house drunk many a night on first Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not from San Antonio, first Friday is like the bars do special things. Um, it started out as an art thing like an art like open air market thing and then the bars got wise so it kind of became like two things at once it was mostly about art and then local bars were like hey there's a lot of college students around here that look like they could use a drink so it's also usually pub crawl night but it started out as like an open air art thing um you can actually still get some remnants of first friday even during the pandemic at the blue star arts complex uh, which is not my favorite place to get art, but it's not bad either. Yeah, I've walked by that house many a night, just like completely drunk. So I got really excited because I found out the San Antonio Public Library evidently asked her to do like speaking engagements, and she said, to- she flat out told them, "You guys need a better Chicana literature section." And they're like, "Okay." And now, if you go to the Central Library, there's like a whole. Um, Chicana like Latino art or like art and literature section downstairs Mm -hmm. there is it's like a big thing now um we've gotten better we could still use more um one of her big focuses was she was trying to get people to understand that just because it's like Chicano literature doesn't mean it's not Texan doesn't mean it's not a Texas writer Mm -hmm. um because a lot of times these writers get pushed off to the side as oh well, you're like a culture, you're a cultural thing. And it's like, well, they're also from Texas and they're writing about Texas things. Yes. So she did a world of wonders for that. I mean, uh, we could talk about like the erasure of cultural writings and ethnic minorities for an entire other podcast. I mean, literally we could just start a podcast. That's just that. Yeah, we could, but um, I've had rum in my system and I don't want to be sad for 20 years. That's true. <laughs> I see I keep talking like I always find out about people's wives or husbands or something when we're reading this stuff or their partners and I'm just like I could just do a podcast on like how sad this person's life was being supportive of a chaotic destructive person yeah it's called history uh I guess my my other podcast would be uh bodies of people that should be returned to their home countries yes (laughs) <laughs> because I, that, if you want to talk about something that makes me very upset it's people who are not respected in death and are either improperly displayed like joseph merrick or have not been returned home are we talking about the guy in spain he is home it took way too long <laughs> it did take way too long it took way too long um also uh human zoos where a black man was kept in a cage next to the lions in new york like the hot and hot venus thing as well yes but worse than that uh this particular individual was taken from his family and then when he could not uh work anymore in the human zoos took the gun from the colonizing man who brought him over and shot himself to death no me gusta yeah uh it took forever for him to actually he's still not home in africa he is buried in virginia 
Sorry, my cat's having a seizure. Not a real seizure. He's. I mean, also, I don't think you'd be this calm if it was. Oh. No, because he's my baby boy, and that's the whole thing. Anyway. But uh, yeah, so that would be my other podcast is return these bodies immediately. I want you to start that so bad now. <laughs> anyway, and it would just be called return these bodies immediately. Yes. You need to make stickers. Anyway. I, did you not see the sticker machine? I did see your sticker machine. Yes. I'm just saying, you have the technology. You can I do. build it. All right, so... so she actually has two nonprofits that she's founded, yes. which is badass. She has the Macondo mm-hmm. Foundation and the Alfredo Cisneros de Moral Foundation, which mm-hmm. is for Texas writers. Um, she also organizes with Los MacArthuros, a Latino MacArthur Fellow. Um, commu- basically, it's like the MacArthur Fellows who are Latino and also community activists. Mm-hmm. Um, she has won a ton of awards. It's kind of mm-hmm. like when we were talking about Octavia Butler and stuff like that, where you're just going... Yeah, okay. There's there's a list. Mm-hmm. Um, she has won NEA fellowships for poetry and fiction, the Texas Medal of the Arts, a MacArthur Fellowship, honorary degrees from many many universities, Chicago's mm-hmm. fifth Star Award from the uh, the Penn Center USA Literary Award, Fairfax Prize, National Medal of the Arts from when Obama was president, mm-hmm. the Ford Foundation's Art of Change Fellowship and the Penn Nabokov Award for International Literature, which she actually won recently. Mm-hmm. And if you ever get to go to Texas State University, the Whitliff Collection has her papers preserved. Yes. And currently she lives in the Mexican Highlands. That sounds so nice. Right? That it sounds... sounds like it's a nice area from what I was reading. I was like, oh, that's pretty great. Uh, so... The fun question, did you read this in school? As I mentioned at the top of the show, yes, I read this the same year I read Flowers for Algernon because I guess Miss Lawson hated us. That's the only thing I can think. <laughs> or your like school district did. Well, again, private Catholic school. We did our own curriculum. And the diocese didn't set it. So I guess Miss Lawson hated us. Miss Lawson, where are you at? <laughs> Why'd you do this? I could... I get nervous. I mean, there was a lot that happened in that school. So I was trying to find if there was ever a movie made for House on Mango Street, but I don't there think was. so. There Aren't was. They working on something? I don't know. I didn't look it up. I think they're working. I think they were working on a TV series, and then like it fell through. Hopefully, they'll bring it back. I think this would make a great TV series. Is this like the Anne Rice TV sh- series that supposedly? Oh wait, there is a trailer. Woo! But I think it got canceled. I don't know. Anyway, we'll figure I'll put it the out. Trailer in, we'll figure it out. Um, oh, also, here's a reminder to all of you: uh, Crash Course has released uh, Black American History, which I really want to watch tonight. It's absolutely fantastic. I fell down a rabbit hole where I went back over Crash Course episodes that I love. Uh, so actually, I had to pause Crash Course to come record this podcast, and I was getting to uh when hank does uh crash course philosophy and he does a really really good job hank does an excellent job doing crash course philosophy because everyone was like why isn't john doing it like is john's too anxious he can't do philosophy i love watching hank and john green on tiktok i do too because it's short it's sweet and i'm always like oh i'm not the only one who's mad about that no i'm also (laughs) mad about that Uh, i i love watching old vlog brother stuff because I've never felt more seen than John Green's existence. Just 
how he processes things and how he's so weird and down. Like, I've never felt more seen and represented than by this middle-aged white man. Uh, Tori, why do you want us to read The Outsiders for Pride? Because that's not next week, or next one isn't Pride. It's still in May. Oh, it's still May. I don't know what time is. I'm so sorry. No, it's <laughs> okay. That's why I was struggling <laughs> today. I'm like, what book are we going to read? What book are we going to read? So I've never read The Outsiders. So yeah, sure. I. Let's go. But I know okay. kids have to read it, and I know that there's like Stay Golden Pony or Stay Gold Pony Boy or whatever. That's all I know. What? Okay. Uh, I guess we're reading The Outsiders. Uh, also, let us know your recommendations for Pride. We have some ideas. But let us know if there's anything in particular that you think we should take a look at. Uh, Pride is always revolutionary, but it's increasingly revolutionary uh, as the years go on. Also, uh, happy uh, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Uh, stop Asian hate. Literally, Asian American and Asian women are still being attacked all across this great nation that is no longer so great. And for a lot of people of color, has never been great. I just, I don't understand why people, I don't understand why people attack people in general, but like, true. why are you going to hit the sweet Korean lady? Why? Uh, because of white supremacy. Makes me mad. Uh, in much lighter news, um, <laughs> I got into a heated conversation yesterday in a Discord server and my friends uh, were like on the call. It's like, we haven't met this version of you ever. Like, oh yeah, this is youngest captain, the debate team, me. And then I got into another more heated conversation today. And it's like, which version of me is scarier? Debate me or like dad me who doesn't have time for your emotional bullshit. And my friend said, uh, debate dad you. And it's like, so I'm John Mulaney's father is what you've just said. Like, do I need to get you those weird, like, kind of Nikes and uh, a fanny pack and a kiss the cook? No, I'm definitely not like a suburban dad who doesn't know anything. I'm definitely John Mulaney's father. If you listen to any of John Mulaney's comedy, I'm 100% Chip Mulaney. <laughs> Just what makes you better than a Nazi? <laughs> That's me. That's how I approach it. <laughs> My daughter and I were running around yelling, JJ Bittenbinder, street smart. Street smart. <laughs> You're gonna die. And then I found out that JJ Bittenbinder is in fact a real person. Yes, he is. He and you can buy street, street smarts. And I'm like texting her, um, like I said, for lack of a better term, stepdad, because we are like, okay, I don't know how to do this parent thing, but it's working out okay. So we'll like text each other and random memes and stuff. And yes. I sent it to him and I'm like, it's a real thing. Should can we, we tell her? Can we please buy street smarts? I feel like we should. I really street want smarts. JJ Bittenbinder. We're all gonna die. I really want street smarts by JJ Bittenbinder. My because kid. that's a person who should not exist. Also, who let me buy this basic white woman fabric that just has like wine names on it? What why? Are you gonna make a skirt to like go to Fredericksburg? It's a fabric quarter. I can't even make, I could not make an apron out of this. I was going to say, are you going to make like a very small tote bag out of that? I can make a very small tote bag. I could. I can make a very small tote. Yeah, it's a fabric quarter, so it's only this much fabric. Hold on, I'm going to unfurl it. It is approximately this much fabric. Nobody has any idea 
no no one does but like i can't do anything with this i don't know why i bought this it was on sale I, this is the magic the, powers of a, a sale at joanne's yeah the worms of capitalism have eaten my brain um so we're reading the outsiders next month uh pride is approaching guys uh just because there is a vaccine does not mean that the pandemic is over i understand that we are all exhausted including uh your host here um please continue to be safe and continue to exercise logic listen to local laws and authorities i don't know why i became cecil from welcome to night vale um <laughs> listen to local laws and authorities um well, no, don't listen to the authorities. Fuck the police. <laughs> I was like, who are you? Yeah, like, wait a minute. No, don't listen to the authorities. Fuck the popo. Um, listen to the World Health Organization and the CDC. Yeah, listen there to Dr. Go. Fauci. And don't listen to the government either, because, like, DeSantis wants people to die. So does Abbott. Yeah, like, just... Florida and Texas are currently in a race to see who, who can kill more people. I love that, like, the podcast always devolves into just, like, commie socialism hour. I mean, it's kind of delightful. It is great. Yeah. Uh, fuck the establishment. Fuck the police. Uh, wear a mask. Be safe. Be gay. Do crimes. <laughs> I mean, but please don't make it arson time. Anyway. Uh, yeah, we're in the middle of a we're in the middle of a drought. Please don't make it arson time. I mean, unless you want to like arson on like someone's ranch out in like Quero or something. Still don't do that. No, I'm set a hay bale on fire. I mean, isn't that just a bonfire? <laughs> they do that anyway. Anyway, we are all over social media. We're both we very tired. If you want to find all of our stuff, it's at unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com and we have links and all that nonsense. Yeah, it's various iterations of Unfortunately Required Reading. Uh, thank you to our patrons who help keep the lights on both physically and metaphorically. Without your continued support, uh, I don't know where we'd be. Well, I would be asleep right now. I'd be drunk and asleep. Just let it, <laughs> just all let right. it you know. I'm going to go let Rum Soaked Amanda have a good night. All right. <laughs> Uh, we'll see you guys next episode. Uh, for the love of God, go read a book. <laughs>